want family, good lunchtime, good afternoon, good dinner time, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Hello. Welcome to the Say What Podcast. I am so excited to have you listening. My name is Hannah, and we talk about all things marriage, sex, relationships, shame, um, all the all the things we, 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 <laughs> women, females, all, all stuff. So, so excited to have you listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, I hope that you stay a while. I hope that you love it. And I'm glad that you're here. Uh, today, we have an incredible guest on the podcast. I'm so freaking excited to have her on. Um, I think it's perfect timing the way it's working out. It's going to be so awesome that she's talking up to us today. But I want to tell you a little bit about her first. So her name is Sherry. Sherry, you can say hello. Hey. Sherry Bolin. I met her at the Founded and Funded retreat. So you guys know I've talked about the business retreat that I went on called Founded and Funded. I talk about it literally all the time because it actually <laughs> changed my life. And what I tell you guys is that the women there were the greatest women in the world. And so I have one of the greatest women in the world with me today. Well, virtually. I wish I, I wish I was with her actually because she's at the beach right now. Which is where she <laughs> lives. So I'm like, wow, really jealous. So she's just at the beach, but Sherry's incredible when I, so when we first all got accepted, we got put into um, a group chat on Instagram so we could see and like talk before we went. And I saw, um, shame lifter society and I, I ran to Thomas and I was like, Thomas, there is somebody who talks about shame that's coming to the retreat. And I talk about that all the time. And I'm so freaking excited. I was just like literally yelling and he was like, okay, calm down. I'm sure she's great. I'm like, she's going to be awesome. I'm so pumped. And so like, you're the first person I saw that was coming and so excited that, um, you were coming and just everything that you're about. She has a, um, business called shame lifter society. And it's all about removing shame from your life and overcoming that and stopping the shame, breaking the shame cycles in our lives. And the work that Sherry is doing is incredible. When we were there um, at the retreat, just seeing her vulnerability and authenticity in that room and just the way that she was attentive to people and like fully in conversations and, and not, you know, think about her things that are distracted. She was like present with people, which is so huge for me. And I just really valued that so much and valued her friendship and value everything that she brings to the table just as who she is, not or outside of her business, just who she is, is, is incredible. And so I know that today you guys are going to gain so much wisdom and knowledge and, and love because that is all that she is about. And so Sherry, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are amazing. And I can't wait to talk about, talk with you today. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Well, let me just say, um, I am flying high and feeling good after that introduction. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I love right back on you and the connection that we were able to form during the founded and funded Susie School Method retreat. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I know you talk about it all of the time. But for me, the greatest gift was the sisterhood and how, you know, here we are a few months removed and we're all still on that group chat you were talking about and we're all still cheering each other on and we're all supporting each other's businesses. And, you know, the relationships formed in, in that room are relationships that a lot of times are formed over years and years and years of people coming together. Um, and we did it in three days. So 
Thanks for, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I too wish we were in person. <laughs> I know. Like, how do I make that happen? How do I get to Florida right now? That sounds yeah. like a dream. So we are on Zoom today, guys. So if anything Zoom happens or any weird things happen, just know it's Zoom, but it's fine. We're going to be okay. Um, yeah. So Sherry, introduce yourself. I know I talked about you, but introduce yourself. Tell us who okay. you are, what you do, 30,000 foot view of you. Okay. Well, um, as Hannah said, my name is Sherry Bolin and I am a lot of things. And I am first and foremost, a woman who firmly stands in her story. And I believe my story is my superpower. And I believe all of your stories are your superpowers. And so that's one aspect of who I am. I am a wife to a loving, wonderful human being, Michael. Mm -hmm. And I am a mother to my sweet daughter, Audrey Grace, and she's 10 going on 20. (laughs) Um, So, and I'm also a corporate career veteran. So I've been in corporate America with the same company for 21 years, have established myself um, as a trusted leader and have learned and gained so much through that aspect of my life. And then just a little over a year ago, I did create Shamelifter Society. And I know we'll probably get into how and why that came to be, but it was um, something that has been on my heart my entire life, Hannah. Like Mm -hmm. since I was a young girl, I wanted to write and speak and connect and just have people stand in their authenticity. And, you know, I, I just turned 45. And so I w- I had gone to some event and I came out of that event and said, I'm, I'm doing it. You know, it's never too late. I'm doing it. I want to make a difference and change the narrative. And so that's another aspect of who I am. I'm the founder of Shamelifter Society. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love everything that you're about and what it does and how it literally changes people's, people's lives. Um, and so why, why did you, you said that's something that you've wanted to do forever. So like, why did you start it? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. So it's, it's funny. I, um, I went to a woman's empowerment conference, not founded and funded. This was, um, you know, the, the year previous to that. And I walked away with the really clear sense of owning my past, owning my present and owning my future. And I had uh, come home from that event and I was the, it was the morning after and I was sitting at my kitchen counter and I just got this hot wave over me and was completely flushed. Like I had to go outside and like fan myself off because all of a sudden, everything that my whole life had been swirling became very clear to me. And I was like, I need to talk about empowering women, but through the voice of anything that has caused a shame in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I suffered from an eating disorder. I suffered from anorexia for a decade, if not more. Mm -hmm. And I used to have such shame around it, especially when I became a mother. And that was something that in that moment clicked. And I said, I'm going to take away this narrative of shame Mm -hmm. and I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to empower others because guess what? 30 million Americans at some point in their life suffer from an eating disorder. So I'm not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. That's, that's a lot of people. And I looked at my daughter and I was like, I'm changing the narrative for her. I'm breaking the cycles of shame that generation after generation have happened. So that is why I created it. It was the catalyst I needed from that event. It was 
I, what I call a God moment, God, like just clearly breathed into me what my purpose was and all of the gifts that I knew he had given me in terms of communication and writing. It was like, I'm going to do a blog. I'm going to, you know, speak keynotes. I'm going to do retreats. I'm going to offer, you know, uh, clubs and, and different things for people to join so that they can own their story too. Wow. And together we can change the narrative. Ooh. That is like, that literally just gave me chills. Like I have chills all over my body right now. That is, that is like so, so powerful. And it's like, I love that you mentioned the generation piece of it because it's not just like for you and your people. It's like actually changing generations and generations. It's a legacy that is you're trying to break what was there and create a new one, like create a new path of, of, you know, removing shame completely from your life and and doing that for your kids and your grandkids and their grandkids and their grandkids and their grandkids. And And so, um, that's just, that's, that's so powerful. I'm so, so excited that it exists just in the world and so grateful that went like heard this calling and did it. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's so cool. Um, and so something I like to do with all of my guests is ask them two questions, just something fun to get to know you a little bit better. Maybe something that, they wouldn't know about you just by looking at your Instagram. So what okay. is one thing that you love? That you just like love? Okay. Well, I love a lot of things, but uh, something fresh on my mind, and you can probably tell since you can see me with the t-shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> uh-huh. So I am obsessed with Friends, the TV Ooh. show. Yes. Okay. And they obviously just came out with a Friends reunion. Okay. I Are okay. Are you good? Do we need to like record that later are you okay well I literally subscribed to HBO Max just so you can watch it just so I could watch it so I watched it last night and I have all the feels so I absolutely 100% will say because I'm riding this nostalgia high that friends is what I absolutely love (laughs) I love that oh my god that's amazing um and what is one thing you like strongly dislike maybe hate hate's a pretty strong word but Mm -hmm. one thing you really don't like (laughs) all right I'll I'll stay in the tv movie genre and say the one thing I can not stand is anything scary on my television or movie screen like I horror movies murder mysteries like I cannot see one second of that or I'm gonna go into like some sort of anxious state (laughs) yeah so I hate 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 all of that (laughs) I can't do scary as far as like horror movies or anything with demons I I absolutely oh gosh I'm like I I know that that kind of stuff is real and I'm just like not trying to get in the no that kind of world um but I like I do like the true crime but that's because my psychology brain just yeah so fascinated by that I literally took a class in college called psychology of murder and like, oh my god, all about like how that happened and how people get to that point. And, and it was like the most fascinating class. I, I loved it. Um, but I feel like I would just like, have a lot of nightmares. <laughs> I do. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie. I, all right. I, but that's funny. I, I like to share some too every episode. So let's see. What am I? I'm very actively right now loving. Um, I'm loving. <laughs> biscuits and gravy which is very random <laughs> but very random but 
just went to breakfast right before this with my okay. friend. Love you, Kim. We had a great breakfast and um, I got biscuits and gravy and I'm just like sitting here very happy that I just ate biscuits and gravy. Nice. <laughs> so nice. that is one thing that I love. Thomas is going to hear this and be so jealous because that's his favorite, thing. <laughs> but it's fine. And then one thing that I strongly dislike is that my, this is like a annoying thing happening just right now in my life. Our apartment yeah. complex is resealing the parking lot and they are being like very strict of like, if you not move your car by this time and this time, we're going to tow you and you're going to get this fee and this fee and this fee and you can't park in spots that aren't parking spots. So have fun parking like I don't, wherever your heart desires. That's not in this parking lot. And I'm just like, stressed so there yeah. we don't have enough parking and so Thomas last night was like oh let's take Theo to the dog park and then he was like never mind they're resealing <laughs> I don't want to lose my parking spot so yeah we really didn't leave our house because we don't want to lose oh, that's so spot. funny oh it's fine I just strongly dislike that right now it'll be over soon but it's annoying so anyway that's that so let's dive into our conversation today we're going to be talking about eating disorders so uh, why don't you share your story with with an eating disorder and and let us in a little bit on that yeah sure so as I mentioned um, for about a decade it's something that I suffered with and um, for me specifically it was anorexia and you know when I was in the throes of it I I didn't realize or recognize it, uh, like most people. Um, and if I'm honest, I think it's probably something that was always there. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's a lot of different factors that cause people to lean into eating disorders. Um, and obviously people know that there's a physical element to it, but it's really a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times there are impacts in terms of the way that you're raised, it's hereditary. Um, there's all these different factors that fall into it. And one of the factors that is often linked to it is perfectionism and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a very uh, unstable home. And so I was trying to control whatever I could from a very young age. And that's why I say, I feel like it was always something that was a part of me um, at, at different, at different levels and different stages. And then it became something that was a full blown issue. Um, I was in my twenties and I had ended a relationship that was very unhealthy mm -hmm. and, you know, like a lot of people when they're leaving relationships, you know, you, you can't eat, you can't sleep. There's right. all those. And I had, Unne like unnecessarily not on purpose started to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And then there was this positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, you look so good. And how are you losing the weight? And that perfectionism control, mm -hmm. you know, kicked back in full throttle. Yeah. Um, and so I just took it to a really, really high degree. Mm -hmm. And that stayed with me uh, until my early thirties. And uh, the only reason I think I was able to move past it and get out of it when I did was because it had become such a hard, hard component of my life that I got to the point where I wasn't able to get pregnant. And at this point, like I was married, we had been trying. And the whole reason that I couldn't get pregnant was because of the anorexia. And then I decided I wanted to choose motherhood. Mm -hmm. over the disease. And so 
I always say Audrey is what saved me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. I, uh, thank you so much for sharing that and for that vulnerability. Um, and I know that that just you sharing your story, just that in itself is going to impact somebody listening. Cause I know that they're going to not feel so alone. Cause anytime you're struggling with something, we always feel like we're the only one in the world. And, um, like you said at the beginning of the episode that, um, was it 30 million? Was that the number? Yeah. So 30 million Americans. Okay. So that's not even world. That's just in America. Just America. Great. And about 20 million are women and 10 million men. Wow. at some point in their life. So, yeah. And that's not even, you know, we're not talking about like body image issues and the whole world of diet culture. We're talking like diagnosed eating disorders, yeah. 30 yeah. million. Wow. Wow. So what was, what was the, like, um, you said that you wanted to get pregnant and, and that you wanted to start a family and start motherhood. And so was that like the catalyst for you just to begin healing? Did you go to um, a rehab center? Did you work with a doctor? How did you, how are you able to overcome it? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot of years in the making, right? So it got to the point where I wanted to get pregnant and there's, there's five stages of someone going through recovery. Um, and I spent a lot of time in the first stage, which is pre-contemplation, which is you don't think you have a problem, right? And my mom and Mike, who at the time was my boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously became my husband, they were very concerned. And so there were, you know, they were trying to play their role of being supportive, but not pushing me too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they eventually staged an intervention which, um, you know, it, the people that love me the most and a doctor and all of that. So, um, I was then understanding their perspectives. I was receptive to that intervention and I agreed and committed a hundred percent that I would get outpatient treatment. Okay. And as long as I committed to that, would that be, you know, something that everybody would agree to? And they did. And so I very quickly, um, you know, started therapy and a nutritionist and doing all of the work. And like, even in the, the worst of how I was feeling and what I was experiencing, if nothing else, I'm very dedicated. (laughs) And once I put my mind to something, I see it through. So I was like, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to go and see a nutritionist. And, um, but it took, it took years of, of having those meetings and those sessions. And I still wasn't fully healing and I still wasn't fully understanding it. And then it was the moment of sitting in the gynecologist's office Mm -hmm. and we had done all the tests and Mike had been tested and Mm -hmm. I had been poked and prodded. And my gynecologist said to me, I'm not going to send you to, um, you know, a fertility specialist or in vitro or anything along those lines, because, you know, I believe that you need to put on weight. And, you know, I hadn't had that conversation with him. I was having those conversations with my primary, my nutritionist, my therapist, but I don't talk to my gynecologist about it. Um, And he said, put on 15 pounds between you know, now, and this was October between October and March mm-hmm. and, um, see if you get pregnant during that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you do like great. And if you don't, then we'll talk about, but until I see you put on that weight, 
I'm not going to send you to a specialist. So combined with, I had years of therapy working on my side. I had this strong desire to become a mother. Um, so I just kind of went in and at that point in time, like I was still smoking because I didn't want to put on weight. So, you know, I quit smoking. I started to allow myself to eat, you know, at a higher level than I was previously. And then I put on the weight and I became pregnant in February. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's like powerful <laughs> and yeah. a testament to, to like the healing process as well. Of yeah. Like, okay. This is, this is healing. And now my body is healing and is ready to, to carry a child. Wow. That, that is powerful. Where are you, where are you at with it today? How are you, you said you were in your 20s <laughs> when that, when all this was, was happening or 20s, 30s or yeah. So I was in my twenties when I was, I think, you know, fully immersed in the anorexia and then it was my, you know, so it was early twenties, early thirties. That's when I started the, the real recovery process. So now I'm 45. I've been like a decade plus in recovery. Um, and, and what they call maintenance and because it's, it's like anything else that you recover from, it's, you're never completely healed of it. It's, it's a maintenance mode that you, you work through, but you know, I obviously, um, having 10 plus years of experience in maintenance feel, you know, really strong most days and, uh, you know, just put in a hundred percent every day to make sure I'm showing up best for myself and for my daughter and, and those around me. Yeah. Wow. That, that is such a, powerful story and I love how you say all the time your story is your superpower and the man yeah. that gets put on a shirt I'm buying it <laughs> I, I have I have it I have it I just gotta uh get it out there and, I know uh, I know so I'm like on the website to market yeah <laughs> yeah but um I I think I think it's so powerful because when we share a story that helps someone else feel not so alone. It also gives hope. So your story of being in your, in recovery and being in maintenance, I'm glad you mentioned that word. Cause I don't, I didn't know that that's something new. I just learned. Um, and so being in your maintenance stage is, I just think really, um, powerful for people to hear. And it also provides hope that you can, um, you know, get to a, a good space with it in a space where you, like you said, you're, uh, showing up as your best self every day and you're, you're striving to do that every day. Yeah. And so I, um, I think that's, that's really powerful and encouraging to so many people. Yeah. Um, I think something that also stands out to to me when you had mentioned, when you first started sharing was you said, you know, I started getting all this positive reinforcement and mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I, I've, I've kind of got to the place in my life now where I'm like, I'm just not going to comment on anyone's weight whatsoever. No, because there's do like, not there's no, there's no line. It's like, it's like you, you know, if someone's working hard and that's a goal of theirs to get healthy, then maybe just saying, how's your journey going? Are you doing well? Is it like something you're you're doing, but just not saying, then it help, but kind of like feels a little bit devaluing to say like, well, was I not this when I looked at this size or whatever? And just, and hearing the positive reinforcement was like, oh, I need to keep going. I need to keep, um, losing weight or can't maintain the weight I'm at right now, even if it's unhealthy because people think I look good. And yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's so it's, it's like people mean well when they say, you know, it's not trying to be harmful. Like they're not saying that to, to be harmful whatsoever, but that doesn't mean that it's not, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, you, you could not be more spot on with the, you know, 
not commenting on people's weight. I will say, don't comment on people's weight one way or the other, and don't comment on what they're eating one way or another. And I say that because it is still something that I can feel deep inside my soul. Um, that can still be a trigger for me when I did work through recovery and I would go to a restaurant with family or friends, or we'd be at a cookout and I'd eat French fries or I'd eat, you know, something that they weren't used to seeing. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, you're eating French fries. Mm -hmm. And it would trigger like, you know, the eating disorder voice, which for anybody who has gone through this, you know how loud that voice is. Your eating disorder actually takes on a human form. Mm-hmm. So I actually, if, if you read my full story on shamelifter.com, I refer to it as she, because it becomes a person. Like wow. you become so attached to this eating disorder and view it as like your most trusted confidant. Yeah. Um, and that's why it took so many years of therapy and work to, to remove myself from her, the eating yeah. disorder. Yeah. Um, so when, when I was working on being healthy and people would comment on, weight and or what I was eating, Mm -hmm. I I would be like, Oh my God, I need to stop eating this because, Mm -hmm. you know, this is bad. I'm bad. You know, I'm, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm going to put on weight. Like I'm not special or important anymore. Like that's what somebody just commenting on me eating French fries would trigger. Wow. And you just never know what somebody is going through. And even if like, you know, someone is like losing weight because they want to, or maybe they're sick and you don't know that, or maybe they put on weight because they're sick or they're trying to come out of an eat. Like eating disorders has no shape, size, gender, color, creed associated with it. So, and, and the least interesting thing about us is how we look. Right. So you can find 500 other things to comment on when you're in an interaction with somebody. Right. 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 And there's a way to also be supportive without commenting on it as well. Just saying like, yes. you I, like listening to someone's story and being like, well, are you, are you happy with where you're at? How's it going? That's great. So excited for you to like, you can say other things without. Yes. Commenting. And that's something I'm, I will be completely honest, still working on. Cause I yeah. thought it was like, you know, a good thing if someone right. was like, Oh, maybe that's not good. Maybe that's triggering. And so I still will catch myself. I'll yep. say it to somebody and later. I'm like, God, I should not have said that. Or, or even we'll say like, Oh, never mind. I'm not gonna, I'm going to say something else. Like I will, I tell Thomas all the time. I'm like, <laughs> and we can't take our words back. Um, obviously, but I really sometimes wish I could. Cause like, I'll catch myself. I'll just stop it in mid sentence and be like, Oh, that's not what I meant. I'm going to say something else now. Can't put them back in. Um, but it's something I'm, I'm just still working on. Cause I think we're so conditioned to that's the first thing that matters. It's the only thing that cares about. Yeah. So we're just going to like, comment on that immediately and just the way that society has defined beauty um and our age and I say our age because if you look at <laughs> if you look at people of people from like centuries ago like what beauty was defined was so different than the way oh. it's defined right now is in women is what I'm mostly talking about and so it's like the way that our media has decided in this day day and age is that one way is is beautiful and that's the only way and so if you're getting to there then I'm going to comment on that and so um I'm just I'm glad that you I, I hate that was part of your story but I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's like really, um, it's really, really important for us to think about and know when we're, um, talking to people (laughs) is that things can be triggering that you don't realize. Um, 
So thank well, thanks for for sharing your story. Yeah, uh, yeah. Want to get into some, some questions? You know, leading a little bit more in depth in depth of eating disorders. Um, someone actually asked on Instagram. I thought this was a great question. Um, do you know? Is there a difference between eating disorders and <coughs> ordered eating? Like, are, are those the same? Is there a difference? Like, because I also think. You know, we'll get into it, but diet culture is really um, heavily and, you know, influence into this. But like, I feel like just you could maybe have a little bit of disordered eating without it being an eating disorder. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So can you speak into that? Yeah. So this is a very important question. And it's one that I don't think people ask all that often. And but they probably think it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to talk about it because they're both real and they're both prevalent. The, the way I would describe the difference, because there is a difference between eating disorders and disordered eating mm -hmm. is the intensity and the impact that it has on your life. So mm -hmm. the way that could probably make it easiest to understand for the majority of people is you know, how they classify your, you know, you either are an alcoholic or maybe you have a problem mm -hmm. that you can, like, it's that same kind of thing. You have an eating disorder, or you have disordered eating, like you're, you're not full blown where it's overtaking your life with an eating disorder. You know, you're going to have where the obsession is 24 seven, where you're thinking about food or, or purging or, cause there's so many different types of eating disorders. And uh, and you aren't going out with your friends because you don't want to eat in front of them. You're missing important meetings or family events because you have to go exercise or because you binged and purged and you're, you know, you're sick and um, struggling with that where disordered eating is like, yes, you can have an unhealthy relationship with food mm -hmm. and it can be consuming, but not to the level that it, of like, that what it, happens it, with an eating disorder. Yeah, I think it doesn't take over your life. Right. And you describing how an eating disorder became another person in your mind. Like you yes. eating disorder is she, maybe someone with disordered eating would not have that person in their head. They are just trying to work through maybe how they view food, right. things like that. Maybe. Okay. I think that's a really good yeah. um yeah. explanation of it. Um because I think Yeah, and I use the I use the alcoholic Oh, sorry, I you use the alcoholic example just because, like, I think like people who maybe they develop a little bit of a problem with alcohol, like they can stop mm -hmm. without having to go through extensive treatment. Like they're like, oh, I've been you know drinking too much on the weekends. Mm -hmm. um, I can versus like an yeah, like an alcoholic who who needs a program and and the support. Yeah. you know, same kind of concept with disordered eating and eating disorders. Yeah, no, I think, I think that, that I'm so glad you explained it that way because when I saw that question come through, I was like, oh, I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah. The person was like, I don't know if there's a difference either. And so, I well, think and like, the other thing that's important is disordered eating can lead to eating disorders. Mm -hmm. If it, you know, same thing, like with anything else, if you don't acknowledge it and, and, and treat it early on, it can evolve into something that's a, a bigger, uglier, uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, what could you give like maybe an example of what disordered eating could look like for somebody, maybe someone who just like views food in a negative light yeah. or what is, what could that look, what does that look like? Yeah. So like the, I think probably the most simplest form is somebody who starts labeling food as good and bad. Mm -hmm. and they're tracking their food like mm -hmm. 
every meal, every calorie. Um, and that becomes something that they can't eat without thinking mm. about how many calories or if it's a good or bad food. Mm-hmm. that's disordered eating. They may still go out with their friends. They're not thinking about it 24 seven. It's like, you know, they don't have anxiety and depression, you know, but it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so obsessed with my calorie tracker app or, mm-hmm. you know, I can't eat bananas because they have too much sugar in them. Like that's, that's disordered eating. And that's the start of moving into something potentially more serious if you don't get that under wraps. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's perfect. I'm glad you, I'm glad you explained that. I, um, that's something I'm just trying to be work on myself. Cause I, me and my friend talk about this all the time, that like, no food is bad. Like there's not mm-hmm. food. And like, like you said, you said the labels and I was like, just talking to my friend about that, like two <laughs> days ago. Cause I I'll say that. And my, my sweet acupuncturist who was actually on the podcast uh, last week at this point, I can't remember, but, um, I was talking to her and she'll check in with me and I'm like, yeah, I didn't eat good this week. And she'll kind of give me that look. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I didn't make the best choices for my body that it needed. She's like, okay. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I am trying to just get out of my head that like, there's not, like you said, good and bad food. It's just food. Like, yeah. When there, when you figure body and maybe nourish it in a different way. And so, um, but what were you going to say? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say when you can figure that out and truly live it, I cannot tell you the amount of freedom mm-hmm. that is in understanding that it's, it's all food and it all nourishes us differently. Like wow. the chocolate chip cookie, maybe you needed that. Yeah. You know, um, it's not, I, you know, it's like empty calories, sugar, bad, like, yes, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be mindful of eating all right. the food, but one isn't better or worse than the other when you have that food freedom and understanding that we yeah. need everything for different reasons. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's important too to acknowledge, like you said, like maybe you needed the chocolate chip cookie. Maybe that was just something that like brought you comfort in the moment. And joy. Joy, yeah, happiness. Like it's a fun time to be with your friends and maybe get that extra drink that maybe has more sugar in it. Than <laughs> yeah. Like that's okay. Like that's a fun thing that I'm you I'm about do. to go have a pina colada on the beach. Oh, I, I just, sorry. Y'all just heard me like sigh. I am desperate for a pina colada on the beach. Are you kidding me? Uh, Why did I move to Colorado? I mean, I love Colorado. (laughs) The beach, the beach. Um, so in, in your journey in particular, Mm -hmm. but also like in general, how, how are you able to get to the root cause of your eating disorder. I, I think it's so super important that you brought up the, that it is like, it's a mental thing. And so how are you, how are you able to get to the root cause and what could that look like for some people? I'm sure it's different for everybody, but you had mentioned the perfectionism. Um, yes. What, what was that? How, how was that like, or what's that like? Um, yeah. So getting to the root of it is n- nothing short of some of the hardest work you'll mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And it is finding a trusted therapist um, to work through and get to your root. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of exercises, writing, conversations, crying, you know, working through all of it. And realizing that even when I got to a place of like understanding of Okay. Uh, Cause I do think for me, it was a mix of who I 
am like my biology of who mm. I was created to be, but it was also the circumstances of the childhood I grew up in. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's understanding, okay, it's a combination of both of those things. And now I'm at a place where I'm, I'm healthier and I'm working through recovery and then realizing this work never stops. Mm-hmm. And whether you have an eating disorder or not, mm-hmm. we all need to tap into the root of whoever we are and whatever we've experienced. And it is a lifelong journey mm-hmm. of falling in love with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is the only way you're going to get over and work through. I don't like saying get over, but work through and get to a place of healing mm-hmm. is to constantly find ways to fall in love with who you are and your inherent goodness and who God created you to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, that also just gave me chills again. Wow. You're just like <laughs> truth. In um, but just, yeah, I love how you said falling in love with yourself um, because there, there is like the self-love movement and, and I love it. And I agree. I think we do need to love ourselves, but I think I like this specific, specificity that's is that yeah. The right word? yeah yeah um, of like falling in love with yourself because it can take time like it's not like a, it I was tomorrow and decide that I'm in love with myself obsessed with myself I'm great perfect awesome all the things like it it is it's deeper than that also but it's an act of like falling in love like getting to that point and like chipping away at the shame every single day to get to the place where you are in love with yourself and and in love with the person that God created you to be because we are all different humans and all different people and so we all have different unique gifts and talents from the Lord and so just finding that in yourself and not wanting to be someone else or looking like someone else or yeah gifts that other people have and just really being yourself I think is I think is huge um and I also you know talking about the work that you you put in like it is it's it's work <laughs> it's it is work. it's it's some of the hardest and most rewarding work that you'll do and you know like I said it's something that you'll do every day if mm-hmm. if, if you choose to um because that's what's going to find you on the best course to you. And as you mentioned, like we're all different. I love bringing that up. And it gives me the other viewpoint of when I started Shamelifter Society, you know, it was born out of the story of me. Mm -hmm. And over time, I've realized it's a story of we, Mm -hmm. because we all have a different story. We're all born unique and different. Mm -hmm. And maybe you didn't have an eating disorder, but you battle depression, or maybe you Mm -hmm. did grow up in an alcoholic home similar to me, or maybe you're in a difficult marriage or, you know, you're Mm -hmm. struggling through parenting or aging parents. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because at the core, we're all just doing the best that we can to show up the best way we can for ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. And it's our story and our, our collective story and, and leaning into that and not having shame or not having this perfect little life. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that, I think that's huge. And, and I like how you said not having shame for not having the perfect little life. I think that we, you know, the American, the American dream said it too, of like, you have to look this way and have two and a half kids and have the patience <laughs> and it's gotta be this way, which that's also very messed up because every American dream was designed also with white people, which that's a whole other separate, that's a whole, yeah, it's a whole other thing, which also very messed and up. And what but, is actually two and a half? Right, I know. But you're talking about kids. It's always like, it's like, does my child just have 
just like, I don't know, like, what does that even actually mean? Um, we got to figure that out. Yeah, no, I need to know what that actually means. But like the, and, but instead of realizing that like perfect is different for everybody, like perfect. And I'm been telling myself that a lot lately, that perfect is different for everybody. Cause we always think that like, if I'm not at this level, then I, I'm, my, I'm messed up and not good enough. And that's where the shame comes in. And so mm-hmm. it's like, Try to remind myself, like, just because we've been married for two years and don't have a house yet, that doesn't mean that, like, I'm not doing well and doing good and my perfect looks different than other people's perfect. And um, that's another conversation anyways. But I, I think it's important to, for us to realize that we all have different, perfect is different for everybody. And that's okay. Like, there's not one space that that has to be, it's not like you have to do this, like the American dream said. So, um, well, and perfect and perfect in any space doesn't really exist. Right. So I always like to say, I strive for intention, not perfection Mm -hmm. because perfect doesn't exist. But if I'm going to strive to be intentional Mm -hmm. in my conversations and my interactions and decorating and reading, whatever it is, if I'm intentional, then I'm going to get the most out of it that I possibly can. Because the idea of perfection is that it's an idea. It's not real. It's not real. No, absolutely. Um, I want to jump back for a second because you had Mm -hmm. mentioned um, how it's like, it's, it's mental. And when you're talking Mm -hmm. about the um, like obsessiveness of it, so maybe think of OCD and is that something that is um, like, I'm, I'm sure they're definitely connected, but do you know, maybe, of like statistics or like, are you, were you also treated for some OCD? Is it kind of, does it overlap? Like, like, what is that like? Yeah, no, um, eating disorders and uh, depression, anxiety, OCD, Mm -hmm. they're like hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like the chicken and and the egg. You don't actually know what came first. I'm going to say that the, depression and anxiety and OCD, like all of that maybe came first and the eating disorder is a way to like breed mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. But I would also say, even though I thought my eating disorder was helping my anxiety. So I have very bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gotten much better through my recovery and, and through a plan that works for me with my anxiety. Um, but my anxiety became so much worse with my eating disorder because then I was having anxiety about what I was eating or not eating or like, and it was this vicious cycle that I just couldn't get out of. So it is a marriage 99% of the time that there is um, some underlying condition of anxiety, depression, OCD. And I've never been diagnosed OCD. um, But I can say that I definitely had a, a greater intensity of OCD like behaviors when I was in my eating. Just like I distinctly remember and talk about removing shame from experiences. Like this was something that I didn't appreciate about my behavior at the time. I now don't have shame over it because I realized it was something much bigger than than me. And, um, it was part of the whole eating disorder story. But I remember with, um, our old house, we had a shelf where we'd put shampoo bottles Mm -hmm. and I didn't want Mike like touching the shampoo Mm -hmm. and conditioner bottles. And if he did, and I noticed that it wasn't 
facing a certain way or if the the cap was lifted versus down. Hannah, like I would be in a full blown panic attack um, and just in a like hysterical state over, you know, and it obviously was very challenging for him to be in that situation with me. Um, but like my whole day was ruined. And so like, like I said, while I wasn't classified as OCD, um, it was, you know, those behaviors and tendencies were very strong during, um, the process. And I still have some of that, you know, I like things a certain way. I'm very type A, I'm Enneagram three. We talked about the Enneagram. Um, but like, I can have dishes in the sink and be okay. Like I don't, my shampoo with the bottles don't have to face a certain way. So, uh, yeah. um, but all of that is, is definitely a part of the yeah. eating disorder story. For sure. For sure. Um, I, we mentioned this earlier talking about diet culture fueling this. I mean, it is like the fire that just keeps like fueling eating disorders. And so maybe what are some oh my gosh. specific ways that it has, has affected it? Um, I know we've talked about it some, but like, I know diet culture is like, yeah, I know the reason, but a lot of the reason yeah. eating disorders exist. So the, the two components of it that I would say is number one, weight stigma, and that is a big part of diet culture, right? Thinner is better, skinnier, you know, uh, looks better than any food tastes or whatever stupid, you know, commentary there is. And research has has shown that exposure to that kind of thinner is better um, can increase body dissatisfaction, which can then in return lead someone down the path of eating disorders. Um And along with that, diet culture is now more prevalent than ever because of social media. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, so, so 80% of women are dissatisfied with their body as young as six Six. girls develop body image issues. So then, then you have social media and you have people promoting, you know, diet pills, diet tea, Mm -hmm. diet programs. Then you have bullying and teasing on social media or in real life because someone doesn't look a certain way. So yes, all of that contributes to what could be an eating disorder, body Mm -hmm. image, body dysmorphia, um, disordered eating, like all of that is, you know, the social impact, um, is a hundred percent, a a high contributing factor to any of those things that I just mentioned. Yeah. Wow. As young as six, that, oh my gosh, I, I don't know that I like, I I obviously knew it affected young girls and and I know that boys and men are affected by this. Yes. We are women. So we're talking about women. So I'm not looking at, I know that men, there's so many issues that they have with this as well. But, um, with, with women, like, I, I don't know that I realized in my head, like as young as six, like that Mm -hmm. really, breaks my heart in so many ways and so like how can we help our our kids like how do we how do we do that then how do we help our little Mm -hmm. six-year-old daughter like not feel that way yeah you know it's it's funny because I I said in the beginning that I feel like this eating disorder was always with me at you know throughout my life and so um I remember being you know 
six, seven, eight, I, I don't know, remember the exact age and like being acutely aware of my stomach and hating my stomach and like hitting it and like not wanting it to look a certain way. Um, and so now when I think about a six-year-old and I think about my little cousins or I think about Audrey, who's now 10, mm-hmm. um, it breaks my heart. Like, like you were just saying, so there's, there's a lot of things that we can do. One is to have conversations like this Mm -hmm. and be open and honest about our own struggles and what has helped us, um, so that we can use that wisdom and knowledge to help others. Like the conversation when we, you were so open to say like, yeah, I'm still learning not to comment on, Mm -hmm. you know, how somebody's body looks, right? Just that if people just didn't comment on people's bodies and weight, like that would be a huge game changer. So it's having conversations, it's educating yourself, knowing some of the statistics and being like, okay, wow. Um, I'm going to make sure I do my part mm-hmm. to try to alleviate that. Cause when you're educated and you have awareness, you can then take action. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing that we can do is start with ourselves mm-hmm. and, love ourselves so that we can love on those babies. And for me personally, I am so conscious of having Audrey see me eat everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't label food bad or good. Mm-hmm. I tell her everything I love about her and it's never about how she looks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am on it. She knows what eating disorders are. So what's so funny about this, Hannah, when I started this journey, um, she obviously saw that I was, you know, making videos and writing and and like doing all the things. And at first I was like, oh, it's just a platform to make people feel better and have good days. And I was like hiding. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm talking about being a shame lifter. I'm talking about changing the narrative. She's old enough to understand. And, you know, obviously explain it differently to a 10 year old than a 30 year old, but talk to our children. We need to talk to our children and say, like, this is how, you know, society would have you believe a woman's body. should. This is what the impact could be on you if Mm -hmm. you believed those untruths. Mm -hmm. Here's the real truth. Right. Like and explain to them what is, you know, it's the same thing we talk to them about wearing a seatbelt or looking both ways when you cross the street, talk to them about body image and healthy relationships with yourself and with food and and all of those components. Mm -hmm. And, and, and lastly, um, I would say it's really important to create affirmations that you can teach not only yourself, but those young people around you to say. So Audrey and I have affirmation statements all over our mirrors on the door when we walk out. You know, I am inherently good. I am capable. I am Mm -hmm. smart. And it's surrounding yourself with those visual cues and surrounding them to know that they are those things. And, um, you know, those are just... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Because from such a young age, starting that with her too, is like, that'll be her default. 
like if she does, because it'll happen, you know, feel some type of, of course about her body or herself or whatever. And hopefully her default will go back to seeing that on the mirror. We'll go back to hearing her mom say these things about her that has nothing to do with what she looks like. That will, her mind will go, hopefully, I mean, from you putting all this in her since she was, you know, so young and she's still young, she's 10. And so, yeah, because like, I don't fully remember I, I was telling my friends the other day, I was like, I have maybe three memories from elementary age as a child. Like yeah. I don't have a lot. Yeah. And so, um, but you just like putting this uh, surrounding her with this is like huge. And I, I love that you say that for us, like for those who um, don't have kids yet or want to have kids someday, or even do have kids just starting to, to like surround their being with those affirmations and, and yes. that kind of life. And I love that you said, um, you know, you want to, um, or you want to make sure that you're like, you're conscious of, of her seeing you eat. I think that's huge too. And like not labeling like, oh, you know, here's th- this good, this good broccoli that you have to eat. No, you just eat the broccoli because it's on your plate and that's just food. And, and that's just like, it is what it is. It's not any better than the dessert you're going to eat right. later. Right. Like, it's just, yes. what you eat. um, I, I think that's, and she, and and she sees me move my body because I want to. And she never hears me say, um, like, oh, I got to go work off the pizza. You know, it's like, hey, do you want to go out for a bike ride? Let's go for a walk. Like, mommy's going to yoga, right? It's it's about, you know, doing all the things, but doing it because it feels good and not mm-hmm. for, for punishment. I grew up, I mean, my mom is my best friend. I adore her um, more than, you know, it's like my mom, Mike, and Audrey. That's my... Yeah. Yeah. trifecta. Um, but I grew up with, you know, always on a diet, talking mm-hmm. about good food, bad, like I saw it. I mean, and that was very common in the eighties. Um, you had Jane Fonda workout videos and mm-hmm. Slim Fast and mm-hmm. Tab, like, mm-hmm. you know, anybody my age, they'll be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like Audrey doesn't know that she doesn't know about diets. And, you know, so if I had to go through my eating disorder to get to a place where my daughter Mm-hmm. knows and sees things very differently from a diet culture perspective mm-hmm. who raw and that's where my story is my superpower yeah absolutely it's it's literally changing generations and so like being able to to teach our kids to have like a healthy you know healthy mindset mentality around food and our bodies and um I I think it's like it's just, it's so, it's so huge. And and it is literally going to change her life. It's going to change her friends' lives because she can speak up to Mm -hmm. her friends and they start to say like, oh, I don't like this thing about my arm. She can like, hold on, wait a second. And and like, we're not going to talk about ourselves like that. And and this is the good thing about who you are at your core, not your, your arm or whatever we don't like about ourselves. And, and just having, um, you, you know, you teaching her that is going to impact everyone that she's around. And then if she has babies one day, that'll change that generation. And, and, um, that's some really good, I'm going to write all that down. So when I have my children, I can remember to do that. And, and hopefully that'll just be a natural thing. Cause I'm, like I said, still trying to get to a better space with that as well. Um, but I think that, I think that's huge. Uh, something we talk, you talk about a lot and we've mentioned just right here or this this episode is talking about breaking the cycles of shame Mm -hmm. we say that but what does that actually look like how do we like tangibly or or whatever what are some practical things um like how how do we do that how do we actually break the cycles of shame in our lives and ourselves our family and yeah um it's so simple and so complicated at the same time (laughs) uh and so 
the easiest way that I can describe it is again, and I'm going to lean into my, my own story, but, um, I think my perfectionism was always around like wanting to be seen a certain way and valued for, you know, being this shiny little specimen, um, and having it all together. And it's like such a struggle and an upkeep and, you know, not showing up a certain way that I thought how I was supposed to show up would just, the shame would wash over me. And there's a difference between guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Right. Very simply shame is I am bad. I am unworthy. I am bad. What I did makes me a bad human. Mm -hmm. Guilt is what I did was bad. Guilt can actually produce positive action, you know? Um, So for me, I had distanced myself so much from the eating disorder. Once I got to a place of recovery, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, not talking about that part of my life anymore because that's not shiny. Like there's like, I want everybody to think I'm just like this really healthy, well-rounded, you know, Mm -hmm. perfect person. And so I can't talk about that. And then when I had this God moment and was like, oh my gosh, my story is my superpower. Mm -hmm. Um, I started talking about it and just by talking about it, all of the shame washed away. Like I do not feel like I am a bad person because I suffered from an eating disorder. I don't feel like I'm a bad person because I was screaming at Mike and having a mental breakdown over shampoo bottles. I don't feel like I'm a bad person for all the things I did that maybe I didn't align with Mm -hmm. when I was in the middle of it because it's part of my journey. And so just by talking about it, all that shame went away. But why I say it's as easy and as complicated as that is once you do it, it's easy but it's complicated and hard to get to the place where you can just speak it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where all that work comes in that we were talking about before, wow. but, and maybe you're not at a place where you can talk about it publicly in a podcast or social media. Um, but you have a, a confidant, you mm-hmm. know, that you can say it out or maybe you say it out loud to yourself in a room. that nobody else is in because I mean this is a very popular saying but shame lives in secrets yep that's what I was gonna say I was like (laughs) in secrets once it's out lifted it's in the light yes 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 yeah yeah no I think that's so good and I love that you said that it's like simple and complicated simple is like talk about it takes the shame off complicated is like okay getting to that place but giving yeah. the, the practical like steps of like okay well maybe you start with yourself in a room okay you get to a confident place with that you start with uh and then you go to telling a trusted friend like someone who is going to support you and love you and is trusted okay then you feel confident in that then you tell a couple more people and then it's like maybe you are at a place where you're like okay, I am going to share this and help somebody else so they don't feel so alone. I I think, the, or it says it in scripture too, like God brings good out of every situation. And I think a lot of the time, the good is helping mm-hmm. other people who are in that place. Like yep. I, it is helping others. Like that's a lot of times when I hear like really bad things happening, I'm like, I don't know what good come out of this, like whatsoever. Right. And so right. I'm just leaning into the fact that it's good because it's going to help someone else who went through it. Um, and so I think that's like also like, you know, darkness to light. <laughs> you take it. Yeah. Secrecy piece out of it. Also, Satan loves to live in secrets. And so that's where it'll stay. But shame can get taken away when you talk about it. I yeah, absolutely huge. And so we were talking about talking to a friend. So if someone does share this with you, what are some good ways to support somebody that is going through this? 
Yeah. So there's um, a handful of ways to show up uh, as a supporter. And one is it goes back to educate yourself uh, mm-hmm. on what somebody going through an eating disorder is actually experiencing. So the National Eating Disorder Association, otherwise known as NEDA, mm-hmm. N-E-D-A, like you can Google them. Mm -hmm. They have so many resources for people that are going through it and for people who love people going through it. So like Google Nita and spend five minutes and you're already in a better spot to understand because you can't support something you don't understand. Right. Right. Um, So educate yourself as much as you can be a really good listener Mm -hmm. and don't support the denial. So like I said, there's that pre-contemplation phase in the very beginning where you're like, I don't have an eating disorder. Like I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And there's a fine line of, you know, being there so you can be a safe spot, but you also can't support the denial. So Mm -hmm. you find a loving way to Mm -hmm. say like, I'm concerned. I want to support you. How this looked like for me before there was the intervention. Um, Mike and I were, we weren't married yet, but we were living together and I would come home and he would have um, healthy snacks in the, in the pantry. So he went out and got like, he did research and found like you know, almonds or Mm -hmm. a certain kind of berry. So he was in his way trying to bring a sign to me of like, you know, how you're eating and engaging. Is it maybe the healthiest, but let me provide for you, um, you know, some, some silent tools of, Mm -hmm. uh, support in terms of food. And it's like, you know, my mom would have really honest conversations with me, but they were loving. So I never felt attacked. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's finding that balance of, of speaking truth, but in a way, um, that you're listening and educated to everybody else. Yeah, I think it's, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the denial piece because I had, I had not thought about that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners hadn't either of like, it. there is a line of like, you know, being there and supporting, but not, you know, supporting the denial because you want to help them and only supporting that just doesn't help them get any kind of help that they need. And so um, I think there, I love how he was like, okay, here's some like small things we're going to do now to try and and get, and get there. It's such a, such a good partner. Yeah. Um, And I, and I would say the last thing is when you're moving into a phase of like recovery. So you move past pre-contemplation and contemplation and you're in the stage of taking action. Um, as a supporter, you know that they're ready. So you you have an open conversation about what kind of role you can play. So, mm-hmm. hey, as you're going through this journey, how, how best can I show up for you? Just ask that simple question because now they're at a phase of like, okay, I know I have a problem. I'm, I've identified that I have to create some boundaries. I know I have some triggers, so I'm ready to put the work in. Um, and at that point, somebody's receptive to someone supporting them in a very specific role. So it's asking that question. Asking, because I think it'll also look different for everybody. You know, everybody's journey is different. And so just finding the specific ways that they can help. um, That's really good. Friends, if you're listening, and I know we probably all know somebody. And so like, take that in, like really marinate on that, doing the research. I will 
Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask if there's, you know, any kind of resources that people should, should go to, to learn about it. And so I will link that in the episode notes guys. And so that way you can just easily click and it's so quick for you just to click, pull it up. So, um, yeah. And Hannah, I do have on um, shamelifter.com. I have a resource tab. So there's Nita and then there's four or five other I'll places. Just thing then. I'll link that instead. So that way people can go and find more, more of the resources. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, because there might be some people listening, if this is if this is you in this space who okay. who has an eating disorder, who is maybe there and hasn't been diagnosed yet, and you're like listening to this story, what are what are something you maybe want to say to them, or what are some mm-hmm. steps that they should take right now? I mean, honestly, it like makes me want to cry <laughs> um, because I just if if there is somebody listening and they're in that space, like I want them to know they're loved. Mm-hmm. and that they're okay mm-hmm. and that the bravest thing they can do is love themselves mm-hmm. and take the steps to uh, get the help and the healing that they need. Mm-hmm. And if if they don't know where to start, then go to that resource page, mm-hmm. go to Nita and there's 24 hour hotlines. There are chats there are groups uh there are spaces for you and you are not alone you are a hundred percent not alone and just move out of the fear because that eating disorder is a hundred percent aligned to fear Mm -hmm. and just make that one step in into putting yourself in a loving place Mm -hmm. oh that's good take that in guys like you need to play that over and over play that piece over and over. Um, that's, that's, that's so good. That's so good. Thank you, Sherry, so much for speaking, speaking in, into the say what family speaking, speaking life over, over all of us and educating us and also just having a very open and vulnerable conversation about this. Um, and so where, where can people find you? Where can they follow you and, and shame with your yeah. society? Cause, cause guys, I, I want you to listen to these things that she has and has to offer, because I know that you gain <clears throat> wisdom out of this conversation and there's so much more wisdom on her page and stuff. So will you talk about it for a second? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, at shamelifter society, all one word. Mm-hmm. And I, as I mentioned, I have a, a website shamelifter.com. Mm-hmm. And when you go to shamelifter.com or you go to at shamelifter society on Instagram, there's different links for you to sign up for newsletters or, uh, to, to get the weekly blog. Mm-hmm. Also on shamelifter.com we have some services that we offer so we have a love club and a love club is uh one month access we do small group community so there's six women who get together in any given month and we go through what i call the shamelifter reflection guide Mm -hmm. and it's five prompts that we go deep into to help us understand own and lean into our story Mm -hmm. and it's all part of the love and hope and healing journey and then in addition to the small group there's access to a private facebook group Mm -hmm. there are downloads yogas meditation access to a licensed therapist there's laughter, there's tears, and it's for one month. It's, you know, $30. So you get three Starbucks. Uh, that's the, the price it equals to, to tap into community and to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can stop going to Starbucks 
three types of buds. If <laughs> my life will be changed. Fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and it's not up there in services yet, but, uh, I'll be launching one-on-one coaching soon as oh, well. So good. you may want to do the small group. You may want to do one-on-one. Um, and even if you're not in the space to do either, you know, I have a whole bunch of, of free downloads that I offer the community and will always do that because I'm such a believer in just spreading as much positivity and love as, as humanly possible. Yeah, absolutely. Your, your stuff is so good. The community on Instagram that you're building right now is just is incredible. And uh, as much as social media can suck, that is one of the really beautiful things about it is that you can go to her page and feel less alone. And just the the prompts that you give throughout the week on your Sunday stuff and just all these other things that you, you have is, um, is really, really cool and really cool. Doesn't even describe it, but <laughs> like it's changing. It, it's really changing lives and helping people break the, break the same break the shame cycles from our lives. And so, um, seriously, thank you so much guys looking at love club and coaching that I'm so excited for you. You're starting coaching. That's so that's, that's, that's going to be incredible. Um, so guys go, go follow her. I'll link all of it in the episode notes as always. So you can very easily just click that link and it'll take you straight to her Instagram and take you straight to her website with all the resources. And um, I'll link both of those, all of those there. So that way you can get to know Sherry and get to know Shame Lifter Society and um, really, really help change some lives. And, and if you're sitting in this and you're like, I have a, you know, great relationship with food, my body. Well, let's, that you can still join Shame Lifter Society. Yes. So much more than that. So um, yes. Hannah, that. thanks for, yeah, thanks for mm-hmm. calling that out because like I said, you know, that's my story and my journey, but mm-hmm. it is really just about empowerment and love regardless, you know, and it's all of our stories, like we talked about are different. So this isn't a one size fits all community. It's, um, whatever size works for you, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, and we all struggle with shame. And so, um, going there, there's something for you there. There absolutely is something for you there, part of the community. So Sherry, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I loved having you and I know that my guests do as well. So guys go soak up all of Shameless Society's goodness, like go soak <laughs> up because you need it in your life. Um, thank you, Sherry. You're the best. Hannah, thank you. I, uh, I am honored to be a part of the say what family and honored to be your friend and to know you and the lives that you're changing with everything that you're doing. So thank you very much for having me on your podcast. And I can't wait to be in person again. I know. I know. I can't wait to to hug you in real life. I'm actually just going to come to Florida so I can come to the beach and see you. Good deal. Uh, But say what family, thanks so much for tuning in today. And we will talk soon.